You are now listening to a Providence Community Church podcast. For more information, please visit ProvidenceTX.org. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 24. So if you have your Bible with you, we're going to ask that you turn there with us. Uh, If you don't have uh, one with you, but you would like to or prefer to have a hard copy of the text, you can find one under a seat around you. And if you don't own a Bible, you don't have access to one at home, feel free to take that one as a gift from us. Um, So again, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 24. So uh, once you get there, if you're able, would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? So that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. Wow, that is amazing. I had one person, I counted, one person in the 9 o'clock. Fantastic, had at least five. <laughs> they just doubled down. It just, <laughs> I love it, I love it. All right, well, if you don't know me, my name is Ty Gaston. I'm one of the staff members here at Providence Community Church, and it's, uh, it's such a, we just keep it. We just keep it rolling. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna deny it. I'm just. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's what a joy it is for me. To, me to be able to bring the word to you this morning. Uh, it's. It, it brings such gladness to my heart to be able to study God's words with you. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray for us and then. Uh, we will move forward. Like Lauren said, we're going to be closing out our series, uh, All Life Together, looking at Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, because this is where we really see what life as a believer plays out. So if you would, uh, bow your heads and pray with me. Jesus, we need you. We need only you. There's nothing in this world that matters. There's nothing in this world that at least matters as much as you. No, uh, no, no solution that we could ever come up with, that we could ever conjure is better than what you offer us this morning. And so God, we come before you. We rest our anxieties, our fears, our stresses. We rest them before your feet. We ask that you would settle our hearts, that we may see clearly, that we may hear clearly, that your word may be a lamp unto our path that seems more devastating and confusing than ever. So God, we we look to you. We need you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Okay, so... I, uh, this past month or so for me has been uh, a bit of a difference changer for me. A, a good one though. Uh, so this, uh, my son started football this year. He's eight years old. Um, it's, I know, I know CT is a problem. I'm not worried about it. I'm just kidding. I was, but when I got the, when I saw them out on the field and I saw how slow they move, I was like, oh, they're not hurting each other. This isn't, this isn't going to happen. Uh, so, um, but he started football this year. It's, it's fun. If you ever get a chance to go watch a peewee football game, it's fantastic. It's hilarious uh, to just watch these little people just bang into each other. It's, uh, it's great. But one of the things that I got to do last night, which uh, I, I got a lot of joy in and uh, was really kind of a last minute blessing for us was um, I got to go see the Texans versus the Buccaneers last night. And if you're not a football fan, 
I'm sorry, you're going to hear my story. I got the mic. So, um, and just bear with me here, but I'll try to make it as entertaining as possible. But uh, my sister, who came to the Caleb's first uh, scrimmages, and my son uh, came to him yesterday, and she, uh, she was like, hey, listen, I got three club seat tickets to the Texans-Buccaneers game. I can't go. Do you want them? And I was like, yes, I do. Absolutely. So I graciously accepted. And I was like, okay, I'm for sure bringing Caleb. And I told him he was fired up. He knows nothing about football, at least from what he's learned at this point, but he was fired up to go. And I was like, Caleb, do you want to bring someone? And he was like, yeah, let's bring Mike Elder, who Mike Elder is Corey Elder's son. Uh, Micah is also the quarterback for Caleb's team. So they play together also. And so um, I I pick Micah up or we get ready to go and we're excited. We're excited. We get in the truck and I'm like, hey, Micah, I know you're fired up right now because you're a quarterback and we're about to go watch the greatest quarterback who's ever played the game play the game of football in Tom Brady. Boo on him, but that's not important. <laughs> so I was like, this is, this is awesome. It's momentous because you get to like look back in history. You don't know him the way that I know him when I watched him start playing in 2002, but you will get to say to your friends that you watched the greatest quarterback of all time play the game. And it was fantastic. It was awesome. But we get in the truck. We start driving there. And I'm like, hey, Mike, are you a, are you a Texans fan? Knowing, I know the answer to this because I know his dad. His dad's a Cowboys fan. And I knew he was going to give me some debaucherous answer whenever I asked him that. But he was like, yeah, Texans number two. I was like, oh, who's number one? He was like, Cowboys. And I was like, get out of my truck. You're gonna, you, don't, you can't be in here. I, I, I'm just kidding. But I was like, okay, Cowboys one, Texans two. Who's number three? He was like, Buccaneers. And I was like, huh, ironic. Okay, why? And he was like, because Tom Brady, of course, greatest quarterback to ever live. I'm going to root for him. I was like, okay, but he's number three, right? Yeah, he's number three. And we're, we're having a good time. We get there. We walk to the stadium. We get in. It's, and we're like, we, these seats are great. We're right over the tunnel where the players come out. It's loud. It's amazing. And Tom Brady comes out. And Micah looks at me and goes, you know what? I'm rooting for Tom Brady today. Texans are going down. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, yeet, right off the, right, right out of the, into the field. But I was just kidding. But we were going back and forth the whole time and it was, uh, it was good. But I was like, man, I can't believe that you're rooting for the other team right now. This is, this is so offensive. And uh, we get there and the game's like, of course, just right out of the gate, the Buccaneers are just trouncing the Texans. It's, it's, it's just not fun for me to watch because I'm a diehard Houston fan. And it get, the game goes on, the starters come out, and they put the backups in, and the Texans start to catch up. And I was like, okay, this is becoming a game here. It's getting close. And Micah goes, oh my gosh, this game is so stressful. And I was like, you're eight. You have nothing to be stressed out about, Okay. <laughs> But, uh, but he, but I was like, I was like, it's fun, man. This is cool. It's getting exciting. And, uh, and then the game kept going and he was like, you know what? You know what? I don't even care anymore. I'm just going to root for whoever wins. And I was like, dude, what in the world, man? This is, you are a bandwagon fan if I've ever seen one. But, you know, shocker, Texans lose. It's, it's irrelevant. I'm okay. All right. I'm okay. But all that being said, I thought about that, that conversation on the way home. And I thought about how, even in Micah's genuine, innocent heart, it was a constant flip-flopping of who's going to win, who's not going to win, who's going to be the best, who's not going to be the best, who's going to be right, who's not going to be right, who's going to call the right plays, put the right players out there, who's not going to, who's going to make the mistake, and that person will win. And I thought about that in that, is that not the culture that we have right now where we, that we currently exist in? 
Is that not it? Who's going to have the right policy? Who's going to have the right answer? Who's going to wear masks? Who's not going to wear masks? Who's going to wear, who's going to get vaccinated? Who's not going to get vaccinated? On and on and on and on and on and on you could go. That is the state that our current culture is in right now. We're so concerned with who wins, who doesn't win, who's losing. Am I losing or are they losing? We need to figure this out. But the truth is, the truth is, when we get to the heart of this text, Paul is he couldn't be less concerned about who is winning because he puts his heart and soul in a savior who's already won. And that frames and shapes everything that he does. And so when we look at this text this morning, keep that in mind that Paul is looking to the end. He's looking at the God who's completed it, who has said it is finished. It's over. And so when he says these things, he's saying that in light of how we should live today, So let's look at the text. Verse 21. So that you may also, so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. Now, before we move forward, we need we need to remember that over the last two weeks, Court and Eric have talked about the very enemy that we face, and that it's important, and that really it comes in three separate arenas, but they all kind of work together. Now, we need to remember, though, that they look like this. First, we have the enemy, but we can't give more. He's very, first of all, we need to acknowledge that he's real, that he does exist, that we do have an enemy that hates God, hates you, and hates everything that is related to his kingdom. We need to remember that. But, but we shouldn't give more credence to him than we ought to. First of all, he's not omniscient, so he doesn't know everything. He's not omnipotent, so he's not all-powerful. He can't do it. He can't do anything he wants. And he's, he's not omnipresent, so he can't, he's not everywhere at one time. So we don't need to give him those things because he doesn't hold those titles. And so if he doesn't hold those titles, let's not put that in his arena. Let's acknowledge him for what he is, which maybe he's existed forever. Maybe he can study you, know you, know your ways, know your tendencies, and maybe tempt you in certain ways. Yes, but he is not omniscient, omnipresent, or omnipotent. Let's not give him those things. But we do need to acknowledge that he is very real and very present. That's enemy number one. Enemy number two is yourself. It's yourself because at the end of the day, you and I will always choose numero uno. It's just how it works. And we're, we're bent to do that. Our hearts want to go there. And I've always found it ironic that over the last 20 years, self-help has become a thing. Why is that ironic? Because we will always help ourselves. All we've done is really just give us better techniques to do it. But at the end of the day, it's not actually helping anything. It's driving that wedge down in further away from us and away from God. We have an enemy of the self. In fact, the Bible even says that apart from Christ, not being in Christ, we are also enemies of God. So we have an enemy who's very real, very present, but he's not all powerful. But we also, apart from Christ, are also enemies of God. And then you also have the world. You have the world. So that's one, that's two. Number three is the world. You have the world that is also just a collective group of people that are going to choose self. And they're going to highlight self and tempt you. The enemy will use the world to tempt you and pull you away from God. Because here's the thing. The enemy is not a bit concerned whether or not you worship him. He just does not want you to worship God. 
And so you have to be aware as we look at this text that a, a couple things are happening here. One, Paul is looking at the text through the lens of the finished, completed, one war. And also that we have a very real enemy that works together where the, that likes to tempt the self, use the world to tempt the self and draw you away from God. We have to remember that. We have to remember that. Now, all that being said, I think we thought that 2021 was just going to be the magic pill. Like, I, I, we know that 2020 was hard. I, it's, we don't need to keep talking about that. I, I've said it multiple times in my sermon. We know in sermons before, we know that 2020 was hard. But I think we genuinely thought 2021 was going to get better. 2020, uh, 2020 had introduction of the virus. We stopped church. We stopped going to uh, restaurants. We stopped going to uh, shopping in, in uh, stores. We, everything stopped and everyone was isolated and separated. And I, and I guess we just thought and assumed, I'm part of it, that when we get in 2021, that things are just going to go back to normal. That we'll be able to commune together and not have to worry about anything. That we'll be able to go to stores without worrying about whether or not someone has a mask or doesn't have a mask, if I'm going to get sick, if I touch this papaya, those kind of things. But the truth is, is that that didn't happen and we shouldn't be surprised. Because the bend of the self is always to choose the self. When we have an opportunity to be self-preoccupied or to self-preservate, we will, if we are led to our own devices. And I think that we thought that 2021 was going to be the difference maker. But the truth is, is that the enemy, our need to be right or not be right, the approval of others, has distracted us by things like debating policy and not in fulfilling the command that we've been given to love our God and love our neighbor. And you see the introduction of, T of Tychicus here. What a man Tychicus must have been. A man to take the very message of Paul, Paul's words, to be a representative of Paul himself. For Paul to entrust Tychicus, he must have been a man who loved God deeply. Loved God deeply. But the point is that Paul knew the importance of being known and, being, and also knowing other people and being surrounded by them. And so for Paul, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself... Those were two one and the same ideas. They were not separate. In fact, if you read that in the actual language, it's, they're not. They're not mutually exclusive at all. In fact, they work together. One is the product of the other. If you love, It really actually reads, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you will love your neighbor as yourself, which begs to say, if you're not loving your neighbor as yourself, could it not also be true that you are not, you are not loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? That without one, the other cannot be present. And that if you try to love your neighbor without this deep, abiding, unconditional love that you feel from God, is it then also not about the self? Is it also not a way to self-preservate? Is it also not a, not a way to be preoccupied with self? We have to do one and the other. It's, it's a natural progression of thought that if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you will love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul knew this. Paul knew this, and his outward lifestyle, not an inward direction focus on, on him, because mind you, Paul's at the end of his life here. He's at the end of his life, and he's not concerned about self-preservating himself, but instead, he's concerned with being known by other people. 
So much so that he wants, he wants the church of Ephesus to know him. That he would send somebody with a message to go do it. And I think we live in a day and age where when darkness hits your door, who are you going to be able to tell? Who's going to know you? Because I, I think the idea is that if we, just make, if we just make peace, if we just self-preservate, get preoccupied with self, then we can keep this kind, this kind of combustible circle of life that we have, we can keep it enclosed. But the truth is, is that if you live your life right now and you don't have anyone that knows you fully, anyone that knows you deeply, also people that you know as well, just as deeply, then what happens if you don't know that now, what happens when darkness hits your door? What's gonna happen? I, I can tell you, what's gonna happen is especially if you're involved in a church, you will start blaming God, you'll question his goodness, and then you'll start blaming the church. You'll start blaming other people because they have not fixed your problem, your suffering, your trial. It's, it, I mean, I've been in ministry for 12 years at this point. It always happens. If you are not known by others, then you will blame God and his goodness. It always flows that way. I've never seen an exception where somebody just is preoccupied with themselves, isolated, away from community, and suffering hits their door, I've never seen them just be like, oh, yeah, everything's great. No, because there are a couple things happen. If darkness hits your door and nobody knows you, they're not going to know that you're suffering. They're not going to know to be able to love you, care for you. Our church here, there's a, we're not perfect. We're not perfect. But one thing I do know, when we are aware of a problem when we know when someone's suffering, when we know that someone needs care, it ha- that care happens. We, get, we don't get a lot of things right, and we'll, if you stay around long enough, we'll light you up too. But the truth is, is that when suffering happens, care happens. And that doesn't mean to just platform providence. It just means that if suffering is made known, care will be had. But you and I have to get over this hump of self-preservation, and we have to be able to be deep in biblical community with people that know us, love us, and care about us, and they know every single thing about us. That doesn't mean that you have to be 100% vulnerable with everyone, but there needs to be at least two or three people that do know that. that. I mean, because it's difficult to frame this love from God, this unconditional love from God. It's difficult to frame it up if you don't have people in your life that can do that. Because if people don't know that last 10%, then are you really fully known? And if you're not really fully known, are you able to be fully loved? I, I think we know the answer to that. It's no. And so Paul knew that the importance of biblical community, his beloved brother, Tychicus, and he has all kinds of other guys, all kinds of other dudes that he surrounded himself with in other letters that you see Biblical community, having brothers and sisters in your life that know you deeply is vitally important. The Christian life is a shared life. It just is. You cannot be a Christian apart from the body of Christ. Christ purchased a bride, not just people. And so when you partake of the death and life of Christ, you are also participating in the body of Christ. Let's keep going.
Verse 22. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, that he may encourage your hearts. Now, this is amazing because Tychicus wasn't just somebody who was a friend. He also had a purpose. He had a job. He had a role. His job was to take the message of Paul and encourage the people of Ephesus with it. Now, I would imagine that Tychicus is not just going there and he's and not just saying, hey, guys, guess what? Paul's fine. He's healthy. He's good. I would imagine he's not doing that. I would imagine he's saying, hey, guys, no worries. No need to have fear. No need to have anxiety. Paul is healthy, but better than that, he has a God that is caring for him. He has a God that is sovereign. He has a God that before the foundations of the world knew this was happening and is very present. His kingdom will go forward. Darkness will be pushed back and you can have faith. I would imagine that was his message. I would imagine that the health of Paul was not separated from the goodness of God, that they were one and the same. They were together. And so what I want us to be reminded of is that each and every single one of us, in the body, if you are in the body of Christ, you have a purpose, you have a role, you have a job. And sometimes that job looks like you opening up a door and being that smiling face. Sometimes that job looks like you making coffee. Sometimes that job looks like you in the back preaching the gospel to little babies. Sometimes that looks like you being in the students. Sometimes that looks like you sing up here. Sometimes it looks like what I'm doing. Sometimes it looks like you create a meal train for people that are suffering. But, we, but in the body of Christ, we are given a shared life, communal life with a purpose to take forward the message of God to a dark world. We've been given a job and there is not room, there is not an option for a believer to be in a body and not do anything. We have been given a job and role to push back darkness, push forward the kingdom. And regardless of how that looks like, it's, it's kind of irrelevant. Sometimes we say this, it's that you just need to show up. Sometimes you just need to show, and I don't mean just show up here on Sunday morning. I mean just show up and say, hey, I'm willing to do whatever I need to do. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd rather preach. Yeah, I'd rather make coffee. Yeah, I'd rather do this. But if you need someone in the back of the kids, I'll do that. Oh, you need someone to be a connect agent? Yeah, I'll do that. Oh, we need to join in a meal train? How can I do that? Where can I do it? It's the invitation to the Christian life is an invitation to be in the lives of others. I know many of us are introvert, introverted, but that is not an excuse to not be obedient. It's going to be difficult, and you will have to die to yourself and not be preoccupied with yourself, but you do have a call to be obedient to the, to the command of Christ to not just love God, but to love your neighbor. And Tychicus filled that role. He was given a very specific purpose to not just bring a message of good health and well-being, but a message of the goodness of God to bring encouragement to their hearts. That when we serve the body of Christ, when we participate, we have a job of not just completing a task, but bringing a message. That every single coffee cup served, every single meal train fulfilled, every single item purchased for somebody so that they can be better, it comes with a purpose because it comes with a message. It comes with a message of the kingdom going forward and darkness being pushed back. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 23. P- 
Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pay attention here. Peace be to the brothers and the love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and no one else, nothing else. That peace can only come from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nowhere else you can go. Listen, chaos is everywhere. And if I talked and have talked to many of you in this congregation right now, I know the kind of chaos you're going through. I know that the solution may be, okay, well, I'm going to pull away and I'm going to self-preservate. Maybe you're not saying that, but that's what you're doing actively. But the truth is, is that no, no discipline, no habit change, no change in circumstance, none of that will bring any kind of peace that would hold a candle to the peace that you get from God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It, won't, it can't come from anywhere else. Trust me, I, as a father myself, I know the kind of chaos that you may be feeling. I know that kind of chaos. My son has respiratory illness in a day and age when a respiratory disease virus is going around. The amount of anxiety that I feel on a daily basis is sometimes uncontrollable, and I don't even tell people about it all the time, but it's, it's difficult when I see my son out there playing football with a whole bunch of smelly, nasty little kids in, a, in the dirt, dry mud, and sweat, it's, it's, it brings so much anxiety because I know that at any moment, if my son, who has a respiratory uh, disease, if he has that and gets COVID, could shut off like that. It stresses me out, but there is no amount of solution like shoving my son in a room and cutting him off from the world, keeping Flovent and a nebulizer next to him to make sure nothing else happens, that no kind of solution would ever bring me the kind of peace that I could get from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It cannot come from anywhere else. It has to come from him. No new job. If you're single, no boyfriend or girlfriend. No marriage. Not getting kids. A new house. No, there's, listen, those things may make things easier, maybe, but they don't make peace. They may make ceasefire, but there's not a treaty signed. We have to know this. We have to know that the only peace that we are looking for, because here's the thing, when people fight over masks, when they fight over policy and vaccination and things like that, when they fight for that, they're really fighting for peace. People just want things to go back to normal. They just want peace. They want the chaos to stop. But we can't find that anywhere else. It doesn't matter how, what, it doesn't matter what you put in place. The only kind of peace you can find is with Jesus. All right, let's keep going. Last verse. Grace be with you all. I'll start, it, I'll start in the verse prior. Peace to the, be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all who love uh, with our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Now, I don't normally do this, but I, I will because I think it's really important. And mind you, you, I need you to extend a little bit of grace because what I'm about to say is very, it's, it's like, it's weird for me to say it because anytime you like question how the apostle Paul did things, it starts to get a little funky and weird, right? So give me grace, but a lot of theologians agree with me. Paul took a lot of what he was trying to say and really compressed it into one sentence. 
And is, I mean, first of all, is that not the Apostle Paul? Almost all of his letters are like 50 run-on sentences. All right, he's just trying, he's like a guy that just has a lot to say and just wants to say it and gets it out really fast. But he compressed all that he had been communicating into, into one single line. And I think our current ESV translation doesn't really do it justice the way that it should. So that, that word at the end there, incorruptible, it's important. In the Greek, it's called aftargia. And it could mean incorruptible, but it, it could also mean immortal, immortality. And that's important because the RSV actually translates it, love undying. That grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love undying. In other words, when Paul compressed these thoughts, he put a lot in, in that line. And many theologians believe that he was actually saying those who love our Lord Jesus Christ and share in his undying life. That the, the line would have actually read like this, grace be with you all, grace be with those who love our Lord Jesus Christ and share in his undying life. And this is important because this epistle, which began with Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, and we didn't really get to, we didn't touch on that at all because we felt like the life of our church really needed 4, 5, and 6, which was, orthopraxy, how we live our life as a believer. And Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 deals with orthodoxy, what we believe about God. But the way that Ephesians is set up is that what you believe about God shapes and forms how you live for God, especially in the context of community. But what's important is that Ephesians opened up with this large dissertation and explanation of who God is and this God that we trust in and what he's done for us. You get phrases like the before the foundations of the world, he set everything into motion. But God, for the love of which he loved us in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, died for us. You get, you get all these amazing verses and that sets up for what we know today. And he, the, the epistle that opened up looking back into the eternity past and understanding what God was, finishes and completes by looking forward to eternity future on what hope lies ahead. That the, the letter that he's writing to the Ephesians is that in the middle of your life right now, let's look back on who God is and let us never stray away from that. That the only truth that we can bank on and guarantee is what God is. And that shapes how we're living right now in this crazy, chaotic time. But take heart, have hope, because for those of us that share in the undying life of Christ, there's a day where none of this happens anymore. There's no more fear. There's no more pain. There's no more anxieties. You will know what it's like to be fully loved. That day's coming. That day's coming. And this epistle that opens up with looking back finishes with looking forward. And I'll close with this. We have an opportunity right now to not just get caught up and be preoccupied with our current era. Preoccupied with what's going on around us. It's so tempting to get caught up in the yeses and the nos, the rights and the wrongs. It doesn't matter Okay, well, that's not true. They do matter. They're important. But they 
pale in comparison to the importance that we have about loving God deeply with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. And that should lead us into a life of community alongside one another and being known, fully known, because you cannot frame up that, that massive eternal love that God gives to us without the context of community. I mean, look at it this way. So this wasn't in my notes. This is for free. In Matthew 6, when Jesus says, don't be concerned with the things of this world, but seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. It, apart from biblical community, that, that almost leads into God being our divine ring, uh, bellboy. That we just ring the bell and he gives us whatever we want. We seek his kingdom, he gives us whatever we want. But if you, if you read that text in context and you look at it in light of Acts 2, 42 through 47, which says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, they gathered it in homes, and they also sold everything they had and contributed to anyone that had need. So the kingdom of God was sought and people contributed to anyone that had need and those things were added unto them. That in the context of community, we actually get to frame up the love that God has shown us. You actually get to be fully known and fully loved by the love of God through the saints of the church. And listen, there have to be those people that know you fully and deeply. Because if you don't, it's going to be difficult to really understand how much God has loved you this morning. And listen even if there's somebody that does know you, they have to be a believer. I'm not gonna say it doesn't matter, and I'm sure people that aren't believers that know you fully, I'm sure they can love you like genuinely and authentically, but they will never point you to Christ, who's the only one that can love you fully. You'll never be redirected there. You'll always be pointed back to some pragmatic way to solve your solution, which will only further drive a wedge between you and God. And others, the people that know you deeply must be believers. They must be the Barnabases. They must be the ticket kisses. They must be these people that you entrust with all of your life and all of your heart. They have to be those people. And so if you're, if you're not a believer in the room, and everything that I've said up until now is just crazy, Let me take a moment for, you to, for me to invite you into the family of God that Christ has extended his arm to you and paid the penalty for any sins that you have done. And that love is extended to you right now. It's not free because it's been paid for, but it's free to you today. If you stand, I'll pray for you. Father God, we, we go nowhere else. We run to you because you're the only one that can provide any kind of solution to what we're going through. You're the only one who is omniscient, who knows all things. You're the only one who's omnipotent, who can do all things. And you're the only one who's omnipresent, who's with us right now. And so God, may our hearts, may our minds, may our soul, May all of our strength be in you, not be in anything else. 
And God, would you place people around us that will love us the way that you have loved us, that will share and exude that love that flows out of the depths of their heart for how much they not only love you, but understand how much you love them. God, help us to be surrounded by people that will fully know us. And God, would you put people in our life that we can also fully know so we can partake in the kingdom, that we can partake in the lives of those around us. Would you do that for us? It's in your beautiful name we pray, amen.